Indeed, stuff moms never say. Probably things moms don't hear enough either is how much we love and appreciate them. So let's do that, whether your mom's here or not. First, I want you to say as loud as you can, I love you, mom. Can you do that on three? One, two, three. I love you, mom. And let's also give all moms everywhere, grandmothers, mother figures, a round of applause. Probably outside of Jesus, there is no other human being that shows sacrificial love more than mothers. Your mothers, my mothers, lots of mothers who do that. And that's what we're going to talk about today. The love that God has given to us, we then pass on to others. But we have to start here. We can only love because God first loved us. Now, sometimes we do love Certainly, even non-followers of Jesus will love, but it's almost always conditional, or it's transient, or it's selective. There in your notes, we have this verse known as the golden rule. Do to others what you would have them do to you. And we can do that, and we can live by that, but in this passage, in John chapter 15, Jesus is saying that we ought to go beyond that because not everyone is always lovable. Heck, there's people we don't even like all that much. And yet, we're supposed to love them as well. Unfortunately, human love is often different. I I love the, the Dennis the Menace cartoons. I don't know if you can still find those anywhere. But I remember about 20 years ago, there was one Now, it's right after Christmas. So what happens on Christmas? Everybody gets gifts, presents, right? So here's Dennis. The day after Christmas, he has all of these gifts, all of these presents, and they are loaded up in his little red wagon. And they are heaped. They are piled up there about twice as tall as Dennis is. He's right outside his house. And here's mom standing in the doorway, giving him the mom look, right? You know, glaring at him like, what are you doing, kid? And... He says to his mom, today is trading day. I'm going over to Billy's house. That was his plan. He was going to trade his gifts for something he liked better. As human beings, we often do that. Things that at least we think are better. Or we take God's greatest gift, even better than flowers, though those are nice, God's greatest gift, is his unconditional love. He loves us no matter what. He loves us no matter what we have done, good or bad, and yet we take that great gift, unconditional love, and we often trade it in conditionally. So we like to pile up our good deeds. So think of your little red wagon, filled with all of those things that you have done that are good, where you have loved people, but then we want to trade them in conditionally, which means, say, for example, that I'm going to keep my, my little mental list of who owes me, and I think, ah, last winter during the blizzard, I shoveled three driveways in my neighborhood, so they owe me. 
and they're going to pay, and I can wait. I can wait till next winter, or even the next winter. I can wait until I am really in trouble and I need their help, and then I will get my IOU. And we want God to keep a list as well, not just our neighbors. And so we go to church, and we're generous, and we're kind, and we love other people just like we're supposed to. But then we feel like God owes us. He should give us a favor for all these good things. Now, I know how this works. I had a man in in a previous church, great Christian individual, pillar of the church, very faithful, very generous, served in all kinds of different areas. But then one day he was diagnosed with cancer. And he got very sick, and the prognosis was that he was terminal and he was going to die. And he was extremely angry because God owed him for all that he had done, for being so faithful and generous, for loving others. He felt like God now needs to love him by extending his life. So often, even more damning than that, is that we only love the people who are like us. Now, I know as a mother that it's hard to love all your children all the time because of what they do. But it's even harder, isn't it, to love people who aren't our children. It's even harder to love those people that we do not like. It's harder to love those people who are different. And so, if you grew up in the same way and you have the same pedigree and the same values, belong to the same political party, and look a lot alike and dress as well as I do, well, (laughs) maybe I could love you. But if not, it's much more difficult. Jesus tells us that you will know, the world will know who his disciples are by how they love. So let me ask you this, can you love all God's children? That's the command, isn't it? Love each other. Jesus was talking to the 12 disciples and to us by extension, love each other. Could you love Judas who betrays Jesus? Could you love someone who betrays you? Could you love someone who hurts your children? There's a great book Mark Buchanan has written called Hidden in Plain Sight, and he gives a scenario, a real-life example. One day he's at home. He hears a door slam. It's his son. He comes running in. He runs up to his bedroom, slams that door as well. And now he hears his son crying. So he goes up, checks on him. So what's wrong? What happened? Well, he explained that he was out, outside. He was playing street hockey with a bunch of his friends, kids from school. They formed two different teams, and he was chosen to be goalie of one. So there he is, but unfortunately, he lets in a whole rash of goals. And pretty soon, his friends, supposedly, turn on him, and they begin to mock him. They begin to torment him. They begin to make fun of him. You're a loser. You stink. Why don't you just go home? We would be better off with nobody in the net. That's what kids do sometimes. Well, what would you do as a parent, as a father, as a mother? Mark Buchanan was angry. 
He was furious. How could they treat my son like that? That is awful. I'm going to go and I'm going to teach those boys a lesson. I'm going to give them a tongue lashing they will never forget. Dads, huh? moms. But then he heard in his mind that voice, and you know this voice. It's the voice of God, and it says, Mark, or your name, where are you going? <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm going to go make things right, Lord. Right? That's what you're going to do. Mark, you're a loving father, aren't you? <laughs> yes. Mark, it really hurts, doesn't it, when someone hurts your child? Yes. You know, Mark, I, I hate it when people hurt my children too. <laughs> yes, Lord. And then it dawned on him. Just his child is not the only one that God loves. But God loves them all because he's made them all. And Mark realized that he's not only to love his own children, but all of God's children. And that he disappoints the Lord when he doesn't. What an example for all of us that we need to continue to grow in our love. Jesus had said earlier in this passage, he said, I am the vine, you are the branches. And we are to stay connected to him for one purpose, and that alone is to bear much fruit. And those who don't are cut off. We do well to examine ourselves when our fruit seems really tiny. <laughs> are we still connected? You see, those are the commands that, that Jesus ultimately gives to us. There are two. He says, remain in God's love and then love each other as God has loved us. We usually forget the first part. And we only focus on the other, to love others, which we often struggle with. And why is that? Because we've forgotten the first. Only as we remain connected to the Lord, are we even able to love others? It's why it's so important for us to gather together and be encouraged as a people of God. It's why it's so important to come to this holy meal and be strengthened and encouraged in our fruit making. It's why it's so important to be in the Word because if we're not connected to the Word, we cannot be connected to the love of God, which is identical to his word. So let me ask you, have you loved perfectly? Raise your hand if you have. No. And we cannot. The disciples didn't love perfectly. Our own children don't love perfectly. God is simply saying to be connected to him so that we can love at all. Christ's love then for us gives us the power to love others. And we, we are again where we started. We love because God, because Christ first 
loved us. And we cannot have the power to love unless we're connected. And so that's what the cross, that's what Calvary is all about. It is a symbol of the love of God. Graciously, generously, unconditionally poured out on each one of us. I want to close with a little story from Ripley's Believe It or Not. Believe it or not. (laughs) It is said by Ripley's Believe It or Not that the longest love letter ever written was written way back in 1875. There was a painter in Paris. His name was Marcel de Leclerc. And he loved a girl by the name of Magdalena. And he wanted to prove it to her. So he was going to write the longest love letter ever written. Now, he was just going to write the word, I love you. The words, I love you, over and over and over and over and over and over again. It's kind of like those Mother's Day cards. You put the little XO, 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 XO until you run out of room. That's what he was going to do. But how many should he write? He thought, I know what I'll do. I will write, I love you, 1,000 times. Seem like a lot? Eh, maybe. Times the number of of years on the calendar. So 1875 times 1,000. 1,875,000 times. Well, he he is a painter and he has some means, so he thought, it's going to take me forever to write that, so I'll get a secretary. And he does. But he thinks that that makes it a little bit cheaper if I'm asking the secretary to write it 1,875,000 times. So I will dictate. (laughs) And I'll say I love you to my secretary 1,875,000 times. She's going to write it 1,875,000 times and then I'll give it to Magdalena. So he does. Ripley says this, never was love made manifest by as great an expenditure of time and effort. Great story, great sentiment, but Ripley is wrong, isn't he? There is no greater love than this, that we would love one another, but we can only do so because Christ has first loved us. In fact, There is no greater love than that one would lay down his life for his friends. It's exactly what Jesus has done for us. And how do we know that we are his friends? We simply love one another. Even those that we really don't like. Even those who aren't all that lovable. Even those who may be a little different than we are. In fact, when you think about it, that's exactly what God has done for us. Amen? Amen. Amen.